My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. If you would like us to uh, pray for a situation that you have that you'd like to share with us, if you'll please raise your hand and an usher will bring you a card. If you will um, simply write legibly and print uh, so that um, we can read it during the service. You can also put don't read. Um, this will be given to our prayer team on Tuesday morning. They'll be praying for you on Tuesday and throughout the week, and we'll pray for you during the service. So if you would like to do that, please raise your hand, and uh, Usher will bring you a card. If you are a visitor today, we're so grateful to have you. We have and uh, donuts over here. We have restrooms here. Your children go here, um, and your children come forward for the children's sermon. Um, and if you have any questions, make sure that we know so that we can uh, answer them for you. Um, a note about this door. Um, so we share this space with the Child Enrichment Program. The Child Enrichment Program has that door um, with a new key fob now. A thing, you know, you go up to the thing and, and the door opens. So this door no longer functions as a door with your normal key. I don't think it does. It does. Sources have confirmed that it might. It may or may not work with your key, but if it doesn't, it's because of the new key fob and you just go to that door out there, it's so we can have security with our CEP program. Hey, Joe. Hey, Jimmy. There's, there's some confusion about that. You have to have your master key and the key fob to get in the door. Both. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's like a, it's, that door is pretty much like a nuclear missile. Exactly. You have someone hold the fob, and you hold the key. Just don't use that door. Let's go to another door. And that gives, to, that gives, everything we're doing is trying to increase security for our children, and that includes our children throughout the week um, here in our space. And so there's another door over there with a normal key. Uh, Sunday night Bible study tonight will begin at 5 o'clock. This is adults. Normally adults begin at 6, um, but because we missed uh, one Sunday night because of bad weather, uh, Bob McQuaid will be teaching at 5 p.m., and Bobby is in the normal slot at 6 p.m. So if you want to hear what you missed with Bob a couple weeks ago, you can come at 5. Um, normally this day, uh, we have a library day. The children leave the service and go to our church library and pick a book, but Miss Beth isn't feeling well. And so we're going to have that on another day. The library will not be uh, today. We will have that on another day. Um, good news, um, we're still working on the technology, but if you look on the back of your bulletin, we're starting to share the artwork of our children uh, on the back of our uh, uh, contemporary and traditional bulletins, artwork that they put in that block. Children, if you want to draw a picture that will be in that uh, box, make sure you draw it with it. That will, uh, that will ensure that it's there. Um, I believe that's all of our announcements. If you, uh, if you have any more, please uh, make sure I know before the end of the service. Let's uh, turn our hearts to the Lord. Will you stand and worship with us? Are on this time. 
Gracious God, you are so beautiful, and we do come here this morning to seek you out and to know you more and to love you more fully. We ask that you embrace us with your love and your grace and send us out into the world outside these walls, confident in you, so that we can share your love with those around us. Open our hearts and our minds now as we prepare to worship you this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. Amen.
around you and children come forward for the children's sermon. Good morning. You guys come up here close so you can see. No. Y'all weren't supposed to hear that. Okay. I received something really, really cool in the mail this week. And I'm going to show it to you. What is this? Birthday card. It is a birthday card, but it's not just a card. What is it? It's an invitation. You're right. It's an invitation to a very sweet little boy's birthday party that we're going to go to this afternoon. Um, and it got me thinking about parties. Have you guys ever had a birthday party? Okay, so when you, you have, I do remember, I remember. Um, when you plan a party, what are some things that you have to do? Well, even before that, before you even get to the party, what are some things you have to plan for the type of cake you want? What else? You got to get a present for the person. If you're having the party at your house, what do you have to do? Entertainment. Okay. What? Decorations. Well, even before I do the decorations and the cake and the entertainment, I have to make a list of who I want to come to my party. Right? I do. So when I make the list... Then I have to make the invitations and I have to fill out the invitations. And then once I have come up with my list and I have created my invitations, what do I do next? What do I do with the invitations? You're right. I have to go to the post office. And so the post office is a building. It's in Greer. And you take your invitations there and you drop them in a box. And then it becomes their job to deliver those invitations. So what if it's raining outside? Does the post office, the people that work at the post office, do they get to take a day off and decide not to do that, deliver your invitations? What if your invitations didn't get delivered? What would happen to your party? Nobody would come, would they? They would get canceled. Right, so it is a pretty big deal to make sure that the invitations get delivered. And the people at the post office work extremely hard, rain or shine, tired and sick sometimes too, to make sure that they get those invitations and all of the letters delivered. 
So that made me think of another invitation that each of you has received. Did you guys know that Jesus also has delivered some invitations? Nope. Well, he did. Jesus' invitation, and I'm going to read a Bible verse for you. And it says, Come, whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. So Jesus has invited all of us for e- to come to him and to live with him in heaven for eternity. But we have to make sure that not just everybody look at me, because Lindsay is now entertaining the masses group up here. Okay. We have to make sure that Jesus' invitation gets delivered. We are kind of like the post office. And we have to make sure that rain or shine, sick or tired, that we deliver Jesus' message before it is too late. Okay, I'm going to hold this. You guys listen to me, okay? <laughs> there are some verses in the Bible, and the, it's called the Great Commission. So in that, Jesus told every one of us to go everywhere and tell everybody about his love for them. So Jesus has sent that invitation, and he has given us the job of telling everybody else, okay? Would you guys bow your heads and pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for Jesus who came so that we might have eternal life. Help us to deliver that invitation and help us to be faithful in telling others about your love for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. asked to pray for a son and his family as he's been deployed for six months to the Middle East. For Philip Johnston, who suffered a stroke on Thursday, but has been recovering and is in surgery as we speak. Let us pray together. Lord, we would love for every single day to be uh, bright and sunny and easy and healthy. But as we encounter this world, both in service to our country, at risk uh, on the roads and our workforce, we know that harm will befall us. We ask for your protection. We ask for your guidance. We ask for your peace. And we ask as your hands and feet, we may reach out to those who need us the most. Grant us understanding as we read the text for this day of Jesus' total commitment to reach out to people who were hungry, who had ragged clothing, who were imprisoned, who were ill. Help us to understand our part in that process and how we can reach out to others. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today we continue looking at the um, five practices of fruitful congregations, and we move on to um, risk-taking, mission, and service. Uh, Bishop Snazy, uh, in his book, The Five Practices, said that churches that are truly risking something to reach out to others in the community are doing the will of God, regardless of their size, whether there's 25 of them or 2,500. And here's the first quote of the day from the book. Risk-taking mission and service includes the projects, the efforts, and the work people do to make a positive difference in the lives of others for the purposes of Christ, whether or not they will ever be part of the community of faith. So there's a number of things that are great about Greer. Um, Downtown has so many opportunities to gather throughout the year. The number of restaurants in such a small uh, uh, locale that have the variety that they have and the quality that they have, and such pride in the generations of people here in Greer to make Greer the best it can be. The plan of City Hall and the Chamber for years to come for Greer is a very positive thing. And it's unbelievable the proximity that Greer has to every other thing. It's no more than three hours to Charlotte, to Atlanta, almost to Knoxville. I'm thinking it must be like three hours to St. Louis. It's three hours to Chicago from Greer. Three and a half, it's probably three and a half to New York, maybe four to Boston. I mean, it's amazing how easy it is to get from here to anywhere else and how much you want to get back here whenever you go to one of those places, whether it be short or long term. But in terms of today, the power that this community has in reaching out in mission and service is unparalleled, I would think, in terms of its size and the way that it reaches out. To have the soup kitchen that feeds one meal a day to more than 150 people, um, for Greer Relief to help people with their power bills in their most desperate time, for the Christian Learning Center to reach out to students in schools, Greer Community Ministry reaching out to elderly in their homes, and what's coming, the STEP program, a 90-day process where you are climbing out of the level that you are based on the support of the people, the housing that you have, the counseling that you get, and the passion of the people who want to help you. I mean, these are just a couple of them. That doesn't even count all the stuff that Memorial does for the community. Reaching out and making sure that other people know what's going on. With that in mind, let's look at Matthew 25, 35. Jesus says, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. So this is Almighty God, present on this earth, in human form, and it's presented in total weakness and need. Almighty God on this earth, 
is manifest in the hungry, the thirsty, the ragged, the stranger, the sick, the imprisoned. You know how drastically different that is from the Roman government that surrounds them, the occupying Roman army? Just one practice you can think about in terms of the Roman army is the Roman triumph. This is a practice where generals come back to Rome to celebrate total victory in a region, and they bring a huge parade with them to celebrate. So they have the people that they captured, they have the spoils of victory, they have uh, animals from that foreign land, crazy animals that the Romans have never seen, and then, of course, them in some sort of mighty chariot, making sure that everybody understands that we won today. We won again. And one of the major things that you want to do is let everyone know in every way that we won. Our nation won. I, as a general, won. I bet you wish you could have a parade like this. Guess what you want to do if you want to do that? You want to go out and take an army and go out somewhere and conquer something. And come back and you can have a parade and we'll talk about how much we won. So let's go win. And let's bring back every treasured thing that that other nation would have. Because when you're going to win, you can eliminate risk. Let's go win. Let's go be victorious. Let's punish people for even existing. Let's make sure that they will never wonder if we have military power again. Let's make sure that we have total control over the region as far as we can see. Let's eliminate risk at all costs. What, what is it, um, if you're a fan of a team that wins so, so much, when they win, what do people say to you about you being a fan of that team? I mean, he's a front runner. You don't even suffer. You don't even have to go through anything. You just want to follow a team that's winning. And of course, the most hateful thing someone can say to you is if you followed a team that hasn't won in a while, and then you wear the stuff that with, you wear their gear when they win, and you go, oh, you're just a fan because they're what? Winning. It's in human nature to think, okay, how can I not be on a losing team? How can I be a part of something that's going to be successful? So with that in mind, think of the vicious things humans do to one another when they want to eliminate risk. What do the boys on Wall Street do when they want to eliminate the risk of the investment that they have? They create risk for every other person but themselves. What do politicians do when they want to eliminate risk? They want to make sure that no one else can win this election. What do ministers do when they want to eliminate risk? Uh, well, it depends on the thing. If it's um, fearing not greeting someone that you figure is a guest when they've been here for 25 years, you just walk around them. Okay. If it's fearing that someone will judge you based on your worship numbers, then when you see people at a district thing, you say, what are y'all having? Oh, 220, uh, 250, 265, 270. Of course, you do that enough to each other, all of a sudden the numbers are insane. Like there's all of a sudden there's 1.5 million people worshiping in South Carolina in United Methodist churches. We do any number of things 
to eliminate risk. And that goes pretty much totally counter to what Jesus did and what Jesus said. Now, I'm not saying that you're ridiculous for wanting to eliminate risk. I'm saying you're human for wanting to eliminate risk. In verse 37, it says, The righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So imagine how differently you would behave were Jesus in the room. Okay, um, you know, whether if you're in the school and you're in a classroom and the principal walks in as the teacher is teaching, you know, every level goes up. The teacher's level of, uh, you know, make sure I got this. Students, let me make sure I'm in my desk. Principal, uh, I hope this is going to work. You know, every level rises with the presence of the boss in the room. If um, we went to 11 o'clock and our district superintendent was here or the bishop was here, I would think, oh, okay, well, I put a lot of time into this, but is it right? You know, you just wonder when somebody else is in the room. But notice Jesus didn't say, okay, I'm going to stand over y'all and make sure you do the right thing. He says instead, I'll show you the people and the things they need, and you just figure I'm them and behave accordingly. The thing that's there is a connection. And many times when we don't want to have risk, we take away the connection. We don't want we won't want to have any sort of any extra connections with a church or a political organization or a school or a relationship. I can't have any more risk. But what Jesus wants us to do is to establish connection. Think about the phrase tell them I sent you. Go over there, tell them I sent you. What does that mean? Well, you would hope that the business, no matter what the business was, no matter who walked in the door, would be doing their very best. But the thing that's implied there is, look, I've got a what with them? A personal connection with them. And when you walk in the door, if you tell them that I'm with you, maybe they'll treat you with total respect, with a personal uh, choice. David Lowe said about this very text, if we want to experience God's presence fully, deeply, and truly, we will look for God in the need of those around us and indeed in our own need as well. So do you think you're less likely to help strangers because they're strangers or less likely to help the people around you because you know them? You don't need any help. Or, I know you need help, but I can't bother helping you because I know who you are and I don't want to mess with it. I think, you know, depending on the personality type, we're more inclined to help people around us or more inclined to help strangers. And we're also more inclined to think God is this uh, amazing up there thing that we can't possibly fathom, that we can't connect with, that we don't understand or fully want to um, listen to for fear of the risk. What David Lowe says is, God is in the people around us. The very people around us. Whether it's on our pew, whether it's at 
the table at break at lunch, whether it's your neighbor, whether it's someone out in the parking lot buying a pumpkin. He says, I want you to be fully aware of those in need and just figure I'm them. So there's a couple factors that stop us. Two primary, I would think, would be uh, fatigue and um, fear of failure. We might not do it the right way. Be interesting to uh, take an instant poll to see which one was more likely to stop you from doing something for someone else. But one of the best things you can do in terms of fear of failure is to think, okay, what is the thing that I can do the best? And sometimes the churches are the worst about putting people in the worst spot given their skill set. I don't know if you've ever been put in the worst spot by a church before as a volunteer. But when you're not in the place that you want to be, it can really drain you in a hurry. And when you are in the place that you do want to be, you know, it sort of fills you up. Now, if you gave me a uh, hammer and a nail, things aren't going to go well. If you put me on a roof, if you sent me to advise people on how to put their budget together, or find it, uh, maybe, maybe a little bit, you know, I know some things. But if you sent me into a school to teach a concept, that I can do. So it took me a long, long time to figure that out. It was actually in 98 when I did a summer mission internship in between my sophomore and junior year where I did a mission project all summer long on Johns Island where I would host people coming for one week to fix people's homes in the area that couldn't afford to do it. I could not fix their homes. I didn't know where many things were. There was no GPS or phone. And the people who would come and see us were teenagers and super um, detailed, handy, knowing direction by the sun guys. Okay? So imagine those 50s and 60s guys who know things coming down and seeing a 19-year-old saying, well, I think, um, I also don't have a great memory. I think... Uh, I think it's this way, and I think there's, I think it's a door. I think it's the door. That may, it might be the roof. But y'all look. When we go, let's look. Okay, see what they, see, if, like if that had been my career in ministry, my career in ministry would be rather short. But at night, we would have uh, devotions on the um, creek. That I could do. And that actually was the spark that led me to ministry, that put me in the spot where I needed to be. So I could either say, um, I could never do that in a million years, or I could find the thing that I can do that I'm willing to risk something in order to do it. So knowing this, you have to ask yourself, what's my greatest gift? What's the thing that I can offer the community? How can I even say, look, if I'm not reaching out to all six categories, I'm not doing anything, and I can't reach out to all six categories, so I quit. Of those things that I mentioned, and these are just a handful of things, of reaching out to schools, of reaching out to the elderly, of serving one meal, of helping people um, pick themselves up, um, you know, just sort of life counseling. What was another one? 
Oh, students in school. What is the thing that you can do that you can do very well? Here's your last quote of the day. Mission initiatives change the lives of those who receive the help. One woman who nearly who lost nearly every earthly possession in a flood said, I didn't cry when the water destroyed my home, but when I saw people from the church traveling from so far away to help me clean up and rebuild, I couldn't stop crying. So when I first got here, we talked about God's will, and the flood is, is, is awful water damage, God's will, you know, hammering Columbia, and, you know, it wasn't Adam's opinion, it's not my opinion. God's will is us going to Columbia, praying for Columbia, reaching out to Columbia in any way, shape, or form that we can. Understanding when we reach out to them, we truly change their lives. Now, what's interesting is I picked this quote and picked this text weeks before the flood. And yesterday during college game day, they were, um, and you, you got to just put down the Carolina Clemson stuff. The Carolina Clemson stuff isn't my thing. But when they were interviewing some of the players from Carolina talking about Spurrier leaving, they were interviewing them in a barbershop, and Marcus Lattimore, um, he, he went to school right here? Burns, yeah. So Marcus said um, he was describing going to people's homes and giving them gift cards in order to get through the week. And he said, I thought the greatest thing that could ever happen to me was to score a touchdown in williams Bryce." But the greatest thing that ever happened to me was seeing a person embrace my friend for an extended amount of time because he reached out to them and gave them that gift card. Now, how complicated was that? Not terribly. So while it will take some risk for you to reach out, some time for you to reach out, um, we are going to find ways here at Memorial for y'all to... and. Lord, a number of you are already given an uh, infinite number of hours for people in our church to reach out to this community with the skill set that they have to let others know that we believe Jesus Christ is in them and that we will share that message with them. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you could have come with an enormous crown and an enormous chariot, with an enormous parade, making sure that everyone knew exactly who you were and that you were to be feared. But instead, you came in every weak way possible. And as we see the weak, as we acknowledge ourselves that we are weak, Help us, Lord, to understand that you are in us, you are in those around us, and that the amazing tools that you gave us are all that we need to reach out. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and read the affirmation together. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, 
to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope in life, in death, in life beyond death. God, we are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. We have our ushers come forward uh, for your tithes and other offerings. You won't believe how this church impacts uh, this community with your offerings. the sun. 
the day draws near We'll sing until the whole world hears with us.
point, we got a lot of fun stuff going on. Basketball registration ends today. You remember how it ended last week and we extended it to this week? It ends today. Seriously. Seriously. Come on, people. I'm going to be coaching. It's going to be fun. Um, look at the, at the board uh, for next week. Katie does a great job with our board letting you know things that are coming, uh, especially next week at, on the 25th. Um, 5 p.m., adults start today, and then at 6 is the normal class uh, time. So, you've been given tremendous gifts. What are they? How can you serve? You won't believe how much it feeds you to give just a little bit of time reaching out to the, to the community. Go in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God who saved my soul. Praise God, praise God, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God, praise God, praise God who saved my Have a blessed week.